Who are you? Whoever you want me to be. Don't say I never gave you anything. It's feeling epic. Three words. Eight letters. Hello, hello. Welcome to the OC, bitch. <laughs> this is how we do it on previously on Teen TV. Claire, yeah. how are we feeling? I am feeling great. I am feeling as excited as if I walked into a party where there are high schoolers doing cocaine. So I'm ready to go. One of my one of my favorite moments from this entire series, probably. <laughs> We are diving all into the OC today, which is really one of, you know, our all-time favorite shows, I feel like it's safe to say. Like, this is like... My number one. Yes. This was Claire's number one on her list. Um, So we are very excited to dive into it. We are talking all things OC. We are primarily sticking to season one in this episode. We're going to talk about the rise of the OC. Mm -hmm. Like how this show went, became a, you know, pop culture phenomenon, Mm -hmm. how everyone started talking about it. I feel like you couldn't go to school the next day um, if you did not watch The O.C. on Thursday night. Indeed. It really sort of captured the zeitgeist in the fall of 2003. Um, And I'm excited to go back to that time 20, 20 years ago, which is, you know, a tough blow for us, I think. But um, it's nice to remember a simpler time in our lives and in teen television. I can't believe it's been like 20 years. Like they did all those like 20th anniversary posts. And even when you go and watch it on HBO Max now, oh, I'm sorry, Max. Even when you go and watch it on Max, it says like 20th anniversary on it. And I was like, that is so crazy that it's been like 20 years. Like, I feel like it was just yesterday. And it's a show that I continue to watch like every year. Mm-hmm. So when did you first get into the OC? How did you discover this show? When and where? Like, how did this all start for you? Yeah. So I remember anticipating this show before it came out. I remember there were um, ads in my like teen magazines that I would read that my parents would buy me at the grocery store. Mm, um, teen people. I- Teen people, I was a big, I think it, what was it called? Um, I think it was just called like Beat, Teen Beat. I think that was one oh, that yeah. I read a lot. Classic. I don't remember. But uh, 17, I was a 17 mm-hmm. magazine reader. Um, and so I remember seeing these ads in print in these magazines that with like the date and like anticipating it. And then there might have been other billboards. But um, I watched the pilot when it aired. I remember being in like my like living room kitchen by myself. I don't know where the rest of my family was, but they Mm. left me alone to to watch this show and I was immediately hooked. I had a similar experience. I, so I watched the pilot live and I was also alone (laughs) and I was trying to figure out, I was like, what was I watching beforehand? I was like, I, I remember like, just kind of like it appearing on my TV Um, so I looked it up on what, um, you know, what aired before the OC pilot Mm -hmm. and it was American Juniors. Oh, for those who don't remember, I watched that. (laughs) I probably, I probably did the same thing. I probably watched it straight into the OC. I know. I shouldn't remember that. I know. I did not either. American Juniors, for those who do not remember, 
was the like kid version of American Idol ages 6 to 13, which looking back, wow, that is jarring. But I loved that show. I was a huge American Idol fan, so American Juniors to me. I was 12 at the time. I love that show. Um, and then little did I know, though, that that then led me to the OC. Um, and I watched that pilot episode, and I was like, jaw drop, dumbfounded. I loved every second of it. Um, I remember I was watching it. I was on like a family vacation at the time because it, um, you know, aired in the summer. Um, as we all know, that was like huge for them. Um, but so I was watching it kind of like alone on this like really small TV. And I definitely remember I was like watching it with my the remote control up because I was scared my parents were going to walk walk in. And I just knew I was like, I don't know if I should be watching this. This might be a little like, you know, I might be a little too young for this show. I was 12 at the time. So I sat there with the remote up ready to change the channels if I needed to. Um, but I just remember like that feeling of like, what am I watching? This is so good. Um, and I was hooked from that very first episode, but I definitely do remember, um, and you touched on this. There were so many ads for it at the time. Like it was like Mm -hmm. huge. Um, so I remember all those ads and I actually, did a little bit of research and I pulled one of the ads that I want to show you because it will bring you back to a time and place. Okay. Fox Tuesday, it's an all new special when the juniors perform in concert with some of music's biggest stars. You're in for an incredible show. Plus, don't miss an extraordinary duet with Ruben Sutter, American Juniors Concert Special. And a kid from the wrong side of the tracks. You're in for huh? Man, I'm in trouble. Make it in a world of privilege and temptation. You can't stay temptation. here. We've got to find his mother. He doesn't want to find her. An all-new OC. Wow. Tuesday at 7 on Fox, Oklahoma City. I mean, there's Remember? a lot to take in there. Like, Lucy Hale being in that promo. Ruben Stuttered being a big part of that promo. I have no oh idea what that is today. Um, Amazing. Like, also just like the, the narration of it being... The kid from the wrong side of the tracks. Like, what it, like, was They that? make it sound so serious. Like, that. I, anything with a voiceover, I think, just has a little bit more gravity to it. But they make it seem like he is, you know, a drug dealer that they've taken in. And he's going to, like, I get the family caught up in a shootout. Oh, my I God. Know. And her just being like, we've got to find his mother. Like, just so dramatic. I love it. I loved every second of that. So that, oh yeah, God. I just had to share that. I mean, that was, I cannot believe that that was airing on our, on our TVs back then um, with that narration. It was so good. But yeah, so when the OC came out, you know, it was huge. I feel like it became, you know, really big really quickly. Um And really kind of like people, you know, were like talking about it right away. It seemed to do well in the ratings. I also pulled some reviews for you. Um, Let me let me show you what what people were saying at the time. Some of these, I got to say, you know, these people should be embarrassed. And I hope that they're in hiding. Um, So there were definitely some good reviews when it came out. Um, You know, someone said... Um, Linda at the New York Post, best debut since George Clooney, kid actor, steals Fox's primetime soap, The O.C. Who do you think they were talking about in that? 
I mean, I feel like they have to be talking about Adam Brody because, but are they talking about Ben They're McKenzie? Talking. <laughs> They're talking about Ben McKenzie in that. No. Which really made me laugh. Really made me laugh. I mean, yeah. I, I have a little soft, I love Ben McKenzie, but like, come on, man. Linda, that one did not I, hold up as much. Like, at first I definitely thought it was Adam Brody and then I read it and I was like, oh, and like, we love Ben, but come on. We, oh, Adam, Ben's great, but like Adam Brody okay. stole that spotlight. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, and then there were you know Karen, love you, Karen. Um, she wrote, "Sorry, West Wing, you've gotten old and cranky. No wonder the OC seems so fresh and attractive." So Karen really got it right, too. Then there were the bad reviews. You know, the Washington Post said, these are empty, shallow people, the script seems to say, and yet it wouldn't be, wouldn't it be wonderful to be one of them? The hypocrisy of the concept isn't even worth condemning. It would waste energy, much as televising the show wastes precious electrons. So that was Tom in the Washington Post. Tom doesn't hold up. You were completely wrong. (laughs) Tom, I hope you never wrote another article again. Um, this one was from The Hollywood Reporter, okay? So okay. a publication that we enjoy. So Barry in The Hollywood Reporter said, Mostly it depicts residents of Southern California's Orange County, particularly the females, as sexy, stupid, and shallow. And mostly it takes a paint-by-numbers approach to drama, laying out a predictable story in an unimaginative way, putting the greatest priority on filling the screen with chiseled faces and well-toned bodies. Like, okay, Barry, first of all, um, predictable story? Absolutely not. Nope. No one would predict the trajectory of Julie Cooper. <laughs> so. Indeed. Some are becoming the heart of the show. Seth and some are completely becoming the central couple, like... You couldn't have imagined that in the pilot. No, bet you didn't know that was coming, Barry. I mean, come on. Barry also said, and this, just get ready for this Okay. Sandy's son, Seth, a video game nerd and the OC's version of Screech. No, that's, that's harsh. That is absolutely offensive. How dare So rude. So upsetting. And like... R.I.P. Dustin Diamond as Screech, but like miles apart, those characters. Are you kidding me? And those actors. No. I mean, very clearly did not get it. Also, just like, LOL, that Adam Brody ended up becoming the the heartthrob of the show, the heartthrob, like, of our teen years, and still even to this day, heartthrob. Like, I know. I just could not. Screech? Like, absolutely not. Also, like, he looks good. Like, why are yes, you like, comparing it to Screech? Like, he's also not, I really like, cannot believe that one. I think there's a, a fundamental difference there between like this is this is something that um, like Adam Brody and the character of Seth Cohen is when nerd culture started to become cool, right? And he's a big part of that. And then it, you know it continues on. Like Comic Con is mentioned in the show. And that was something when, like, it wasn't a thing that, like, everybody went to that, like, people were aware of. Like, only, you know, true nerds were really aware of it. And so, whereas Screech, I mean, I'm a Saved by the Bell stan for life, but Screech is, like, a socially awkward science, like, math and science brainy guy. Whereas Seth is just, like, I like, you know, this type of culture that the popular kids don't like different things right completely different things and it's also just like 
Yeah, we're seeing a different character on TV who has, like, more layers than just, like, liking comic books. Mm-hmm. Like, how dare Barry? Okay, my last bad review. I'm ready. Um, Howard from the LA Times... Um, who said, the OC, a new Fox entry whose arrival Tuesday night bongs in the 2003 fall primetime season with an hour of Southern Californians as rigid as surfboards. As weekly drama, it's comically bad. Like, are you kidding me, Howard? Are you kidding You know me? what's interesting to me is that um, those bad reviews that you shared seem to all have been written by men. And the more positive reviews seem to have been written by women. And I, I'm sure there are, you know, 100%. more mixed reviews and it's not a clean split along gender lines. But I think, you know, the show is, th- these types of shows are geared more towards female audiences who are more willing to just buy in and accept the premise at face value and not pick it apart. And I think, you know, it's just a thing we see so often with men who d- that fundamentally don't understand things that aren't for them. 100%. Like to, to criticize them. Yeah, exactly. I think that's definitely what's going on. Barry and Howard, you know, maybe it, the show wasn't for you and that's okay, but you don't need to like come after, you know, something that primarily women and mm-hmm. teen, teen girls like. Yeah. Also, I will say too, I do think like the thing with the OC is like a lot of men I feel like ended up really liking this show. Like Agreed. Like for like, this is a teen show that everybody was watching. Like it was not just like girls. Like I feel no. like it was like, yeah, I mean, I definitely like walked in and my brother was watching it on his own. And I was like, we can like watch this together, you freak. Well, I think a big part of that was that it it wasn't just, you know, about a love story or a romance or girly, quote unquote, girly things. There was, you know, there were friendships and there was adult relationships. And then there was all the sort of whatever ridiculous other plot line was happening, you know, with money and Caleb Nichol and all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff. And so there was, you know, it was more of a complete show that um, there was something for everybody. 100%. There was something for everybody. So let's like get into it a little bit more. Like, let's talk about like the cast a little bit. Cause I do feel mm-hmm. like, you know, we, we touched a little bit on how Adam Brody like was the heartthrob like of our teen years. Um, I want to start off. Let's talk about Misha Barton because yeah. I do feel like she is talked about quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of times people are talking about her um, and this show in a little bit of like a negative light. And I got to say, so I rewatched the OC at least season one, you know, you can kind of stop after season one, which we'll get into later, but um, Mm -hmm. I rewatched season one. I want to say almost every year. And every time I'm watching this show. I am, like, transfixed by her. Like, I cannot stop staring at her on the screen. Like, I don't know if it's, like, the light of the camera is, like, hitting her in a different way or something. But, like, I know people, like, talk about her acting and all this stuff. Like, I think that, like, there was something about her. And not everyone can become an it girl. And, like, she became an it girl and, like, had that factor. Like, I wanted to be her. I wanted to dress like her. I was like, like, she was like, I just couldn't like, you can't take your eyes off of her. I feel like when she's on that screen. 
That's just my rant on that because I'm tired of people saying that she was like not the best in the show because not everyone could have done what she did. No, I think absolutely. She was cast for a reason. And I think that, you know, whether regardless of her her abilities as an actor, I think maybe she was the the weakest of the four as which we didn't see right away but mm-hmm. you are right in that she has a presence and she's captivating and there she has such a unique look and a unique just sort of ability to exist and like take up a space when she's in yeah. a scene that I think that you're drawn to her and you're you're interested in what she's going to say or do and so I think that that's something that you really you can't um you can't teach and so I think that yeah without her and that sort of magnetic quality that she has the show would have been very very different yeah no I I totally agree I just feel like people give her like a really kind of like bad rap now and I just want to say that you know not everyone could have become that it girl that she did so props to her for that yeah so many Lacoste polos definitely bought a Lacoste polo because she was wearing one on the show also today I am wearing two polos I see that trying to pop that collar in honor of the OC um what what a time when I was putting these on I was like what why did we do this like what is this why am I wearing two shirts honestly just a polo in general is not the most flattering Look, I don't think personally. I was never a polo girly. I remember like I had to buy them for a school thing and I was like, why am I doing this? But I I am impressed by the fact that, you know, she wore her little Lacoste polos and her denim mini skirts and her like skinny scarves as like headbands and tiny purses. And she just like they made that ubiquitous. Like mm-hmm. it was everywhere. Oh, yeah. No, I started wearing all that, like all the above, everything you just listed. Like I loved it. Um, and like with the casting of this show, I feel like there was a lot of talks around like, are these like, they're too old to be playing teenagers? Like what, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think that that like took away from the show or what'd you think on that? Like controversy? You know, I, I didn't think that they were all too old. I think we know that Ben McKenzie was the oldest and he was 23, 24, something like that. And he definitely... It's not that much older no, compared I, to the rest of them. I, th- Yeah, I think in season four, when he, like, cuts his hair, he really starts to look older. Yeah. Um, you can kind of start see some wrinkles in the face, and you're like, oh, maybe you're not a <laughs> high school graduate. But that's okay. I think I know. <laughs> it's more about, I think if they all look to be the same age, if you put them all together as a group, as long as they all seem like they're the same age um, and one of them doesn't stick out as much. Um, and he was shorter too, which kind of helped things a little bit. Like he just seemed smaller. <laughs> uh, it doesn't bother me. I think I also like, there's, there's a part of me that I think, you know, we want teenagers playing teenagers, but at the same time when they're doing adult things, I don't want to be watching actual teenagers do these adult things. It's a little, it's a little strange to me. I feel like I shouldn't be like, I shouldn't be privy to that. So I, I'm I'm fine with it as long as no one's, you know, got those 11s front and center. Then, then. <laughs> we draw and I don't the say line. judgment. We draw the line at the 11s. <laughs> the line of, yeah, I know. Get the, get the Botox or get out of my show. I do think people just get so hung up on that. And it's like, who cares? Like, 
you know, I that is just something that does not bother me. As long as like they look good and they all kind of look like around the same age. It's like mm-hmm. it's similar to what you said. I don't need to watch an actual like 16-year-old like doing coke or you know pretending to to drink or like making out in these scenes like that would definitely make me even more uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and if you look at what a 16 year old actually looks like we don't want that we don't want that on our screens like no (laughs) i'm a big proponent of 23 and up for these shows wow actors to be 23 and up okay i could go with a you know an older looking 18 year old maybe um definitely 18 and up okay i i I feel like i'm a little bit more of like a a 17 17 to 23 i think is the ideal range to start with at the beginning because obviously these characters age as the show right go on if they go on so but you know yeah. I'm flexible. I think now that I'm getting older, though, I'm like, ooh, let's have them be 23 and up. Fair. So when I say they're cute, I'm not getting too weird. That's, I, I, I hear ya. I, I feel that. And I'm like, oh, that's, mm. like, I, I feel gross. And then I'm like, even though, even when they're 18, I'm like, but that's still so young compared to my old ass. So yeah, 23 and up, I, I think know. you're, you're making a strong case for that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's what I'm here to do. Um, okay, well, let's, I know we already talked a little bit about Adam Brody, but, like, he is just, like, the casting of that was, like, so good that, like, I feel like I could just, like, spend an hour talking about it. Like, was that, do you think, like, the best casting we've ever had in a teen show? Oh, wow. Um, maybe. I think because he, he sort of creates this new type of character. We've talked about how, you know, the the sort of wisecracking best friend becomes something that we see in future shows as opposed to just the sort of like uh-huh. the boring straight man best friend. I don't know. But I think that uh-huh. he was such a, I don't want to say like a revelation. That seems a bit strong, but like he was no, so, <laughs> he was a revelation as Seth Cohen, but he, he just brings so much like warmth and like humor to that part. Uh-huh. Um, and so where, you know, it's it's not really fully believable that Seth is, like, a loner with no friends. You you look at him and you're, like, you're, you're very right. cute and you're tall. And tall goes a long way, as we all know. So, like, how could you not at least have a friend or two? Um, but I don't yeah, know. He sort of... I, I know what you mean about that. But he, he sells it. And I'm just like, well, you know, he's just... He's so charming and so funny and so, like, approachable and... nice that I think that that's always um that's a nice quality to see on screen I do feel like they were like really trying to like drive it home in the pilot like this guy has no friends (laughs) like I think they like drove that like a little bit too hard because I do think you're right he's Mm -hmm. able to speak like it's not like he doesn't have like any social skills or or anything like that. And right. I, I, I do get why they drove that home. But I do remember, though, watching it at the time. Like, God, this guy's like a nerd. Like, but I think it was such a good trajectory of like, in the first couple episodes, as you like get to know him more, you do more like see that humor and see how great he is. No, I, I think what we're supposed to understand from the show is that it's not that he is socially awkward and incapable of having friends is that he is not in the right environment. Right. The same way that Ryan is it. And that's why they connect. Because, like, if Seth were a student on the East Coast or maybe, honestly, anywhere more 
um, in the middle of America or more like um, just less if he were a student somewhere that not in Newport Beach, California, that his sense of humor and his interests would be accepted and praised and he would have, you know, friends, but it's because he's in this particularly um, wealthy sort of snooty environment that he uh, doesn't really connect with anyone. And that's why him, he and Ryan get along so well is because Ryan is also sort of a fish out of water too, in a very different way, but they both have this, that in common. Yeah. Which I do love their relationship, like, throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think that that was something that they did super well. And I think, like, their scenes together, too, were always, like, I always really loved them. Um, and their little chats in the pool house and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if the OC were, like, to happen now, like, who would you want to cast as these characters in, like, today's world? Like who? What? What up and coming actors would be in the OC? So I, I was having not a difficult time with this, but I was trying to challenge myself and think of actors that aren't already very, very big because these actors weren't, you know, household names at all. Right. Um, and I was like googling like who like Gen Z actors, and it was like Zendaya, Timothy Chalamet, and I'm like, that's we we can't go down that road. Mm-hmm. Um. So I picked, I went to the CW as I, as I often Love. do. Um, and I was thinking for Ryan, there are two actors that were on DC's Star Girl, which I know oh, you're wow. not familiar with. I knew but... you were going to do like a deep cut with this. I knew it was going to be people that I did not listen, know. <laughs> they're all, they're all pretty deep cuts. I'm just going to give you the ones that you do know. Okay. So for fine. Marissa, I think Sa- Sadie Sink would be great as Marissa Cooper. Oh, good one. I do like that. And like a different role for her. I think that could be good. Yes. I think she would be really good at, at um, in that particular part or um, Talia Ryder, maybe. Um, and then I also was thinking maybe Storm Reed in that role or oh. um, there's a girl named Christine Froseth. She was in some Netflix Never heard movies. of her. Um, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> she, was in, she was in a teen drama. I'm going to look up all these people. She after. was in the Hulu version of Looking for Alaska, which I watched. Oh, yes. And she played Alaska. Yes. Okay. Um, so that, I know who you're talking about yeah. then. And she, she was in uh, Sierra Burgess is a loser. She's like the popular girl that becomes oh, friends yeah. with her. That girl. So those are my Marissa's. Um, for Seth, I had an actor who was on the Save by the Bell reboot and okay. another actor who was on the That Light. seems good. You went the comedy route, which I yes. think was smart. He's funny. For, for Seth, yeah. There's also an actor from uh, Legacies on the CW that I thought, the one who played MG. I feel like, I don't remember how much he watched. Mm, yeah. I think he could be a good yeah, Seth. Yeah, no, I know you're talking about a good one. Um, and then for Summer, for Ariana Greenblatt, who was just in the Barbie movie. She's like the, the teen daughter, Sasha, in the Barbie movie. I thought oh, she'd be a fun okay. Summer. I like that. Well, again, a I different like for her. Yeah. Yeah. Or um, Josie Toda, who is also in... Um, the Save by the Bell reboot. She's a trans actress who was oh. uh, on Glee as a child and then transitioned, and now she's uh, she was recently on Save by the Bell. She's really oh, funny. Oh, love that! And plays a bitch. She plays a bitchy rich girl. Oh, perfect! On Save by the Bell. So she'd she'll be great. fit right into this world then. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, sorry for so, my deep cuts. Yeah, I, I knew you were going to bring deep cuts, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I was like, it. you got the you got the other ones. Do you have any? Yeah, I, so I did household names. Um, probably everyone you've heard about. Okay, so for my this Marissa. Yeah, this is good. We have all different ones. We've got variety. So I think for Marissa... Lily Rose Depp would really bring that tragic, tragic party girl vibes. I think she would be a great Mm -hmm, Marissa. mm -hmm. That bone structure would be great on the show. Yeah, the big saucer eyes. Yeah. Um, For my Summer Roberts, I thought Sydney Sweeney would be a great Summer. Um, Also, let's get a blonde in this show when it is taking place in California. So I thought Mm -hmm. I thought she could be a fun summer. Okay, my Ryan's I I picked a couple people for Ryan. Um, You know, something a little different for him. I thought Tom Holland could be a good Ryan. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. Another short king. I I love it. I need, yeah, just from his height, you know, I need, I need people to really think this through, okay? Like, I think that, get, just give it a think. I think Tom Holland would look good in the white tank, you know, with the, mm-hmm. the armband bracelet, the choker yes, necklace. Like, the leather cuff. I, yeah, I think he could really rock that leather cuff, so... I think he could be great. Um, obviously, I need Jacob Elordi to be on this show. I think he would be a great Ryan. We Ooh. love a good brooding Jacob Elordi. And Ooh. he's actually tall. So I think that could be good. He is tall. Um, and then I also thought Patrick Schwarzenegger could have been a good Ryan. Actually, wait, I take that back. I think Patrick Schwarzenegger could be a good Luke. Water polo Luke. king. Yes, he's Patrick too pretty to be Ryan. Yes. Um, so I mm-hmm. think, yeah, Patrick Schwarzenegger could be a good villain, good water polo guy. Seth, okay, I had a really, really hard time with picking a Seth because, mm-hmm. I, you know, I just, these kids these days aren't doing it like Adam Brody did it. They're not, you know, they're not giving me that. I do think you were smart in going to the more like supernatural shows because I do think that they have a little bit more of like, kind of trying to bring somebody in with like a comedic relief in those shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was smart. Um, I just thought Nick Robinson could be a good Seth, maybe like looking a little bit more nerdy. Yeah. Like I think he could yeah. actually also be a good Ryan. Um, yeah. He's flexible. Yeah. Actor. What an actor. Um, and then <laughs> I just think that we should put Paul Mezcal in the show just because. Um, I don't know what character, but he is in my my dream casting of the OC if it happened today. I don't know oh. what character. He could be Trey or something like that. Oh, that would be fun. Yes. Paul Mezcal would be a He'd great be- Trey. I love that. He'd be a good Trey, yeah. Um, well, let's talk more about storylines and, like, what we love about it. So we're going to keep it more to, like, season one of the show, a little mm-hmm. bit more of, like, the rise of the OC and, like, why people got so hooked on it. What do you think they really, like, got right about season one? Why did so many people fall for this show? Why did this become so big? I think it had the right balance of this sort of... um this aspirational life, like showing us this glamorous, rich world um, in sunny California, but also showing us the, um, the other side of it, the the kid from the wrong side of the tracks and the yeah. kid who grew up in this world but doesn't feel comfortable mm-hmm. there, um, sort of questioning it and making fun of it and like pointing out, you know, 
it's nice that we have this and we have access to this, but it's also absurd. Um, I think that they, it was funny that they, yeah. they made it funny. And a lot of these shows are not typically funny or self-aware. Um, and that makes them a little harder to stomach. And I think that mm-hmm. the humor really helped um, people sort of gravitate to it. I think also just the adult storylines um, yeah. were not tedious. A lot, oftentimes we'll see, you know, storylines with the parents and you're like, I don't care about the parents. And here, I think most people like, I cared about Sandy and Kirsten. I oh, yeah. was never like upset to see them on my screen. I was rooting for them. I, I was watching more for the teens, but I right. I wasn't, you know, annoyed by Sandy and Kirsten or or Julie Cooper. I was, she was fascinating and, and so, oh, so yeah. messy. And so I think that they, they found a really nice balance um, in all of that. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Like, even when I was 12, like, I wasn't, like, fast-forwarding through the parent parts, which on other shows I definitely was doing. Like, I think that they did a really good job of looping in those storylines in a way that, like, it made sense. Um, And I agree. Like, I do think, like, the OC is so funny. Mm -hmm. And that was not something typically that was on these shows. Um and I, I love that they, like, leaned into, like, a little bit more of the comedy. And I think it was just something of, like, I wanted to, like, be in the Cohen family. Like, I wanted to, like, eat bagels with them, like, on a Saturday morning. Like, they just seemed like um, like a family you wanted to, like, watch and see. And, and no matter, like, how crazy the show got with storylines and, you know, like crazy stuff like happening to them. Like you still saw them all kind of like come together and like eating a bagel and, you know, the parents still like supporting the kids. Like, so I think that like that really Mm -hmm. kept the show grounded, even when like the storylines were getting a little wackadoodle. Right. Um, And I think that that's something of, you know, was definitely a draw. Um, I also think, too, it was like, you know, we were seeing like Orange County, California, which at the time I didn't know that much about. Like, I, I probably had never even heard of no. it. Like, now it's like so much like in the zeitgeist. Like, we got we got Real Housewives from it. We got Laguna Beach from it. Like, mm-hmm. um, now it's so well known. But I mean, at the time we were like, seeing this world and that we, you know, had never even heard of. And I was like, oh, my God, they have all these, um, you know, casino nights and benefit parties. And, <laughs> you know, you had the noopsies and yoga lotties and like words that I just like had never heard of before. And you were it just made it like so fascinating of like, what is it like to to live there and to be a part of like this society? And, you know, we're seeing it all from from Ryan's eyes as like the outsider. Um, and I think that having like that perspective of it is why also season one, I think is so good mm-hmm. is that we're seeing it all from Ryan's eyes and everything is so new. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, when you do have a show that's like based on the outsider, like as you kind of move along into seasons, it's like not as much of a new world. Yeah. So I think that that is kind of like some of the magic that that was with season one. And just, I mean, God, all those storylines that they ran through in, in the season one. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. I mean, have we ever had... So many plot lines, like, in a season. Like, let's just, like, run through some. Like, what were some of, like, your favorites? I mean, 
There's runway shows. There's a dead ball. We love a dead ball. I mean, we do. Love, I love a dead ball. Um, you said casino night. Um, there's a Christmas party, which we can talk more about Christmas later. Oh my god! I there's all sorts of. They go. They go to Vegas. They go to L.A. Mm-hmm. They are going all over the place. They're Luke gets yeah. shot. Like god, it's Luke gets like- shot. <laughs> Yes, and the, the Oliver. Luke gets shot by Paul Wesley. <laughs> yes. I mean. Yeah, Ryan the- has a job, but then he doesn't have a job. Ryan tries out for the soccer team, and then he, like, all this shit. And, oh, too much. It's too much. I mean, I think it's, like, perfectly summed up just by, like, Julie Cooper's, like, trajectory in season one. Like, we start off with her married mm-hmm. to Jimmy. She divorces Jimmy. I want to say by, like, episode five, maybe, which is, like, pretty crazy. Um, she has an affair with her daughter's ex-boyfriend. And then by the end of the season, she is marrying Caleb Nickel, a different Mm -hmm. man. So I feel like that is just encompassing like how many storylines then they can have just by following her throughout the season. Well, not only that, but like she and Caleb are together as a couple by Christmas. And so then they spend the second half of the season as it, like all of this happens by, within Christmas, by Christmas time. And Crazy. is she cheating on Caleb with Luke, even though she, cause she doesn't want to let go of that cash cow. And Caleb, we first introduced it to Caleb with like a 20 something girlfriend who then turns around and hits on Ryan, the 16 year old. Meanwhile, he's got a daughter who's in trouble. And then she becomes a stripper and starts dating Jimmy Cooper, who is her older sister's ex-boyfriend. It's crazy. Outrageous. I love it. Yeah. Love love every second of it. I know. Enjoy the ride. Uh, I know. I do know that they burn through a lot of storylines, but I do wonder mm-hmm. if like if they didn't do that, if it would have been like as good. Like because I do think that that's just like there was a cliffhanger after like every episode. Like you could not wait to see like what was happening next. I know. Multiple, every, like, every storyline had its own little, like, what's going to happen? It wasn't, no one was ever settled. No one was ever really comfortable. It was, they they were throwing so much at you in 27 episodes, which was, I mean, crazy. That's like four seasons of television on any other show today. And they did it all in one. I was just going to say, I feel like if the OC was on today, like, season one would just be the arc of, like, will Ryan stay with the Coens or not? You know, like, that would be Mm -hmm. season one. Like, it would end on Kiki welcoming Ryan into that pool house. Um, So I feel like it's like... You know, it would just be so, like, different if it happened today. And it would just be, like, mm-hmm. I mean, season one would be, like, four seasons of a, of a show today. Absolutely. We all know the OC was a huge cultural phenomenon. It was literally all anybody was talking about. Um, so what parts of the OC do you think, like, change the culture? So let's each do... Um, our top three moments or things like from the OC that change our culture. Okay. I mean, this is a little, a little silly, but you referenced it right at the top when that line of welcome to the OC, bitch, this is how we do it in Orange County. I feel like that transcended the show. Like people were referencing it. They were making jokes based off of that line. Um, It's so ridiculous and so perfect. Mm -hmm. And sort of really sets the tone for sort of kind of what the show is, but like 
it's incredible. It's the name of a, a recap podcast for the show. Like, I yeah. think that that, I mean, the pilot overall, I think is really, really special, but that, that line yeah. in the pilot, um, which is funny because it comes from Luke, who only is around for one season, but he, he left an impression. He has the most iconic line on the show, and it didn't even make it through an entire first season I of know. the show, which I do think is so funny. And I feel like Chris Carmack has said that that line like still follows him around everywhere, um, which is just like so crazy and like so amazing. I, I, I love that for him. Mm-hmm. We love Luke. We yeah. hated Luke, and now we love Luke. Um, okay, so one of my how the OC change culture things is this one is a little is a little niche. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with Marissa wearing Uggs in the pilot. Oh. I think that that changed culture. Seeing Marissa in those Uggs in like shorts. I mean, we're still wearing Uggs today, so. I think that that was a defining moment. We all started wearing them after that. Um, and just goes to show, like, the the effect that this show had on fashion and what I wanted to wear. You know, that is a moment that changed culture from the OC for me. You know, I don't think I ever really clocked that Marissa wore Uggs the first time around. I think I just saw that she was wearing them, and then all of a sudden they just started appearing I remember the mostly seeing pictures of celebrities wearing them in like People and Us Weekly. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the the Uggs with the shorts is really like something that you're only mm-hmm. going to get in California. I think you try that look in the colder parts of the country and it's a little silly, but I, I applaud her for mm-hmm. being brave enough to uh, chart the path forward. Well, I got to say, I am to this day wearing shorts with Uggs. So catch me, catch me this fall. In in my shorts and up, I will be sporting it. <laughs> I'm excited to see it. Everything old is new again. My number two is um, Chrismica. I Good love one. the Chrismica episodes. I watch the Chrismica episodes every year around the holidays. And I don't know that they necessarily invented the concept, but they certainly helped popularize it. I remember, I can't I think the year after the first season Mm -hmm. of the OC. So it would have been in season two. There was some other, it was like a car commercial or something. And they referenced Chris Mahana Kwanzaa. And I was like, you stole that. Like you added Kwanzaa, but you stole that from the OC. Um, And so I just think that the idea of celebrating both of those holidays as one and doing a sort of mashup of traditions um, and sort of making your own rules for the holiday. That was, it's just like, it's a lovely idea um, it's silly and fun, and it's nice to see sort of Seth, this, again, nerdy character, mm-hmm. teenage boy, embracing um, so purely these two holidays. No, I agree. I think that that was something that was, like, so special, like, about this show. Like, they literally, like, invented a holiday. Um, and, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I don't think anyone had really, like, put that together before. Like, I... They really should have trademarked it, honestly. I mean, what a, what a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love the Chrismica episodes. I, I think it's like, again, I think in a show that is like very filled with like drama and scandal, like the Chrismica episodes really like show just like that it is also about family and family coming together and, you know, Seth um, celebrating both holidays. Like, I do think that that was mm-hmm. something that was really special. And I feel like I always like refer to it as like Chrismica now. And like all my friends, like 
who were Jewish and celebrated Christmas too, like they started referring to it as that. Like that is like the definition of like changing culture. All right. So the OC Mm -hmm. just did it the best. Um, Okay. So my number two of how the OC changed culture is Comic-Con. I had never in my life heard about Comic-Con before this show. Okay. It is referenced early on in season one. And I had no idea what it is. I feel like it is so big now, too. And I'm not saying it wasn't big before, but, like, it is really big now. And I think that the OC had something to do with that. All right? Comic book nerds, do not come for me. I'm just (laughs) saying that I think the OC made Comic-Con and comic books cool. Okay? All right. I don't think I had heard of Comic-Con before this show either. Or if I had, it definitely felt like something like far off and like mysterious and seemed particularly for comics books and like, and super, super nerdy people. And so to see, Mm -hmm. you know, someone who like Seth Cohen, who was a nerd, but like a cool nerd and a cute nerd and like a funny person, like to see him um, talk about it and talk about going and um, it just really helped to sort of normalize that concept and bring it to a wider audience, Mm -hmm. I think. And I personally have never gone to Comic-Con, but I've considered it. I've, I've thought about it because I, now there's, it's just such a broad, it covers such a broad um, spectrum of nerd culture and fandom uh-huh. um, overall that I think it, it really, um, you know, props to the OC for educating me on that. Seth Cohen did that. My number three is the, the use of music um, in the show. I think, you know, teen, and there had been um, teen shows before this that, the music played a big part in it. They released, you know, soundtracks to um, the shows. I'm thinking particularly of Dawson's Creek released two soundtracks that was like mm-hmm. songs from Dawson's Creek or whatever that I owned and was obsessed with. But the way that um, the OC did made it such a part of the narrative of the show with yeah. Seth being a music lover, they tried to, you know, tell us that Marissa was a, a lover of the Clash, and then it was like that doesn't seem right. <laughs> so they just let they just dropped it, which I think was smart. But, you know, I think um, Seth's particular taste in music and then the introduction of the bait shop um, as mm-hmm. a you know, live music venue, um, even in season one when they go see Rooney um, and that song. And they Ugh, I love that episode. Yeah, they debuted, you know, a number of songs in episodes um, over the years. Mm-hmm. And I think they also the um, the way that they were looking for sort of indie and up and coming artists as opposed to who was popular. You know, Beverly Hills 90210 did the same thing where they had right. the Peach Pit After Dark and they had artists come and play this club that they owned and worked at, which was ridiculous. But those artists were always like, you know, top 40 artists, people that you had heard of, people that were already in the mainstream. And the OC mm-hmm. is was really looking at um at artists that weren't as well known and trying to sort of give them support and bring attention to their music. And I think that um, was so, so cool and so formative. No, I agree. I mean, I feel like it completely influenced like my, my music taste at the time. Like I started, you know, downloading on LimeWire, you know, songs that I Mm -hmm. heard from the show. So I, I had my whole OC like playlist, like it completely defined like what I, what I listened to. And a lot of times, even when I downloaded the songs on LimeWire, it would be like, (laughs) the scene of the show like 
With you the, would hear yes, like the dialogue. Yes, like you would hear the dialogue in it. Like when Caleb is having that heart attack, and I'm downloading "Fix You," you can hear him have the heart attack in the song. So, oh my God. yeah, no, I, I mean, the music of the show, like, we'll definitely be doing like a full episode. I feel like on that, but um, uh-huh. definitely, it, it, it changed the game, and I don't think that there was, you know, another show at the time that that was doing it like they did it, and um, they definitely brought like to my attention bands like yeah that I would never would have heard of, and you know, there's still I still listen to all that music today. It's all on my sad songs playlist. Just oh, those, yeah. Those emo songs. You got to love it. It's so good. What a time to be a teenager. I know. It, it was such a good time. Um, okay. But what was your like favorite song in season one? Let's keep it to season one. In season one, I feel like it's a, I mean, it's a cop out answer a little bit because it's one of the more popular ones that's cited, but I did love the Maybe I'm Amazed cover mm, by no, Jem that. that plays at the wedding. It's yeah. so, it's so good. It, that's one of the ones that I downloaded that I listened to. It's just, I think it's so beautiful and sad. I know. Time, even though it's supposed to be a happy song. And I, and I think maybe that's because I, I'm picturing like Caleb and Julie dancing while, you know, Ryan and Marissa are dancing and she's like, I know that you have to go. And she's crying. I'm like, oh. No, my mind like yeah. just went to that scene too. Like, I do feel like that's <laughs> why we love that song. Cause it's like such a good moment between them. And she, is so sad and like he doesn't even like to dance and he's dancing with her and you're just like no Ryan don't go like I have said before that I like the gem version of maybe I'm amazed more than I like the Paul McCartney version I'm sorry I do as well I know I I, but I do think it's just because of the context of the show too that we love it so much with that um so my favorite song moment in season one is the new year's episode when dice is playing when he's like running up the stairs i just Mm. think that that is such a good moment and it just works like so well and you're like ryan you have to make it like come on like get there like tell her you love her like is he gonna make it like I just think that like that is such a good scene when that when that um yeah song is playing yes the way that the stakes felt so high in that episode like Mm -hmm. what's gonna happen if he doesn't if he doesn't say I love you by midnight like it felt like the world was gonna end which is so it's so still it's so silly it's so stupid it's such like a teenage mind that like you have to get to her and say I love you before the stroke of midnight before the new year otherwise your relationship is doomed I know god that is some good storytelling if I've ever seen it I feel like that we both chose songs though where or moments where the song like elevated the scene a lot like it wasn't just a song Mm -hmm. that was like playing in the background right it was a song that was like having to do you know with the scene like you know we obviously all love like the other moments of like hallelujah and all that blah 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 Mm -hmm. blah but I do feel like those like these moments more like elevated it yes we did pick good songs though okay so my third moment that changed culture from the OC is yoga lattes um this is my like all-time favorite scene from the show I clearly just wanted to be in the Cohen kitchen I keep bringing it up um but I feel like this like started a a phenomenon craze of like working out and combining different workouts that don't even make sense together um so I feel like that really changed culture 
when they brought yoga lattes into it. Um, my honorable mention is Sandy's eyebrows. Oh. Um, I think Sandy's eyebrows change culture. <laughs> You know, I think in a time when we were all over plucking and going pencil thin with our eyebrows to see to see some natural bushy brows on a person on our TV screens week after week was um, soul healing. I completely agree. You know, it showed us there was another way. And as I talk about my eyebrows almost every episode, but I had some bushy brows as a teen and I needed to see that on my screen, you know? Yeah. That that eyebrow king, Sandy Cohen. Gotta love him. All right, so we have broken down why we love this show, how it was so big. I feel like to just wrap this up, like, you know, this was such a, like, defining show. We talked all about how it changed culture. But do you think it, like, had an effect on you as a teen? Like, do you think that, like, by watching this show, it, like influence you in a certain way I, I don't know I don't th- I don't think so there's nothing that I can remember like feeling deeply that this changed the way that I thought or felt mm-hmm. um if anything maybe subconsciously it was nice to see um a f- like we've talked about a family that um mm-hmm. felt secure that even with Sandy and Kirsten like even when they tried to throw issues at them or whatever it always mm-hmm. felt like if there was a big really bad problem like Seth or Ryan could go to them and tell them about it and they would, mm-hmm. you know, listen without judgment and help them as opposed to with, you know, you see Marissa's parents and Julie Cooper would, you know, scream and yell and maybe kick Marissa out of the house or something like that. And I think that um, seeing a family like that as a teenager was um, was just nice. It was just like a nice feeling and like maybe something that I would hope, it's something I hope to model one day down the road. I agree with that. Like, when we see, like, Sandy Cohen give the sex talk, like, I feel like that was, like, big. Like, it was, like, nice to see, like, them all have, like, conversations, like, together and have it not be, like, it didn't feel like too, like, teen soapy, like, conversations. Like, Mm -hmm. it really did feel, like, natural. And um, I I thought that they did such a good job in this show of like the the parent child like dynamics just in the Cohen household. I mean, the Coopers is a completely different Mm -hmm. story. I mean, maybe worse, best parents in television versus worst parents in television. Um, Yeah, tough break. But yeah, no, I would say I mean, look, I was 12 when this show came out. So you know, I, I guess I was like 16 or 17 when it ended. So it was like, in those formidable years. And I would say it probably definitely <laughs> influenced like my life and not just like what I wanted to wear or um, or like who I was like interested in. Like, I, I just do think that it's like, uh, you know, I'm I'm impressionable. And I was like, I <laughs> want to live in the OC. I want to live the, those lives. It definitely like had a huge impact on me. I even was in the OC club in high school, proud member of the OC club. Um, I was in the yearbook for it, quoted, so that will live with me for the rest of my life. Um, Yeah, and I feel like this also, this show is a show that opened the doors for me of the teen drama world. Oh, wow. Okay. now I'm doing a podcast about it. Yeah. So I guess you could say it's really affected my life. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> certainly has. It's left an impression. 
Um, all right. Well, we did it. We talked all about the rise of the OC. We could go on for hours and hours. Oh, I know. I mean, we barely scratched the surface. Be sure to tune in next week for, I hate to say it, but the fall of the OC. What happened to this show (laughs) and how it went from being the top of the ratings to being canceled during season four. Yes. So we got a lot to talk about there. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to like and subscribe, rate and review our podcast. Give us five stars. You know you want to. And follow us on Instagram at previously on underscore teen TV. Join us next week. Thanks for listening. listening.